I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Charles Payne, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, May 13th, 2021. I'm Simon Owen. As the United States nears 120 million fully vaccinated Americans, President Biden is urged to send surplus doses to poorer countries. Developing countries are struggling to vaccinate the populations at highest risk of exposure, while the likes of the US, UK and Europe are are frankly getting to a, a luxurious point. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. More than a third of the United States population has now been fully vaccinated against the coronavirus, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But overseas, it's a very different story. Some countries are yet to administer any doses and others, including India, the current epicenter of the pandemic, have barely scratched the surface. So is it time the US and other rich countries began sharing more of their stockpiles. We see a, a gross kind of inequity as it stands between um, those that, that have the resources to to vaccinate um, and, and those that are struggling. Gian Gandhi with the UN's children's agency UNICEF coordinates vaccine supplies for a multi-billion dollar scheme known as COVAX, aiming to deliver COVID shots around the world and help low and middle income countries get access. And so looking ahead to the, the second half of the year, we see more manufacturers um, that are likely to kind of come online and supply the developing world, J&J, um, Moderna um, and Novavax among among them, um, which should ease the problem. But of course, I think we're still going to be in a two-speed world where um, the COVAX facility and, and particularly developing countries are struggling to vaccinate the populations at highest risk of exposure by virtue of their jobs, the, the healthcare workers, teachers and so on, while um, the likes of the US, UK and Europe are are frankly getting to a, a luxurious point of vaccinating much lower risk populations, whether those are teenagers or um, or younger younger adults that, that frankly um, aren't at the same risk, either of exposure or, of course, of mortality. Particularly the situation in India is a wake-up call for, for the rest of the world. I think, you know, in many ways, um, you know, with the luxury of, of having doses in, in wealthier countries, we see... Um, a sort of sentiment of, well, the developing world maybe has gotten off lightly so far. And of course, that kind of complacency um, is is part of what sort of fed into um, the me first kind of approach that, well, I might as well vaccinate my lower risk populations. And the problem with India is is not just that it's such a terrible tragedy that so many people are, you know, I think three, three and a half thousand people dying every day, but it's that there are spillover effects to other countries and of course, as WHO, the World Health Organization, has has announced, there are variants of concern that are emerging there. And the worst possible case is that those variants of concern, of course, spread across the world and come back to the very shores of higher income countries that were starting to feel like they dealt with the disease. Um, and so, so absolutely, you know, the need now is to to kind of consider this on a in a global way rather than a sort of more myopic kind of a local way. Um, share doses as quickly as possible to address, um, you know, those outbreaks and, and certainly the the paucity of, of supply in developing countries with the intent that that will help higher income countries, wealthier countries in, in the, the medium and longer term too. Just go into that a bit more, if you would. How do you mean when you say it would help richer countries in the 
medium and longer term. Why, why does it matter that the whole world is vaccinated? The risk, of course, here, as, as the virus goes unchecked in the developing world in places like India, that you end up with variants essentially in a globally interconnected world coming back to wealthier countries um, and getting people sick again, either because their immunity has has faded over time or because the, the variant itself um, is somehow resistant to the vaccine-induced protection that the populations have, which is why vaccinating everyone um, is something that is is very much everybody's business um, rather than that of just you know a few a few agencies that are care you know care about this what would you like rich countries to be doing at the moment yeah I, and i think there's there's sort of a short medium and long-term sort of answer to that in the short term sharing doses um Small numbers of doses shared um, now, donated to, to lower-income countries through COVAX, will help alleviate some of the supply gaps that we have that will enable those high-risk populations I mentioned to, um, to, to get fully vaccinated. That's a kind of very short-term measure that will just keep um, immunization programs going while we deal with some of the supply problems that we're dealing with at the moment. In the sort of um, medium and longer term, I think, of course, Countries need uh, resources to deliver those vaccines that they're receiving. And, and many of these countries are cash-strapped, frankly, and, and are struggling to deliver the small sets of doses they already have. And as a result, they require funding. And UNICEF has, has put out a call for almost $700 million to, to help um, those particularly low- and middle-income countries deliver doses um, to buy the, the personal protective equipment to cover healthcare workers and to buy um, all the products that are necessary to deliver vaccines. So that's a kind of an additional requirement. Beyond the doses themselves, we need money to actually help deliver them, uh, whether that's to pay healthcare workers, to pay for fuel, to train healthcare workers, many things that need, this money is needed for. And then, of course, I think lastly, we need manufacturers to, pay, to play the role that they already are playing, but in a bigger way to expand their, their capacity, production capacity of doses. And they're doing that you know, laudably in, in a couple of ways already. Um, one, of course, is to to seek out um, manufacturing partnerships um, to work with one another, um, to use the facilities of one company to produce the product of another. Um, and that is helping us to deliver as many doses as we have already um, globally. But we need more of that. The other, the other way, which is very similar, is to actually license the product voluntarily and that's something that we've seen AstraZeneca do, for example, with Serum Institute of India for their product. And then there are many other examples like that. But we need more of that um, because the global needs um, are growing. And part of that is our ambition is growing. Initially, we just wanted to cover those at highest risk and either of mortality or of contracting the virus. Now we're kind of um, really embarking upon a, an agenda of as a as you know, the globe is sort of looking at trying to achieve herd immunity. And that just means many, many more doses than than initially were thought um, necessary um, to, to achieve those more modest goals. You've been listening to Gian Gandhi, UNICEF's supply coordinator for the global COVAX vaccine network. We'll be right back. On this question of, of sharing doses, of handing over uh, vaccines for richer countries, do you see any sign that there's much movement on that because at the moment they don't generally seem willing to budge certainly there's been 
movements and statements in the right direction. But right now it has been um, it's been a drop in the ocean of what's needed. And, and certainly I will say two things about those sharing. The first, I think, is we need speed and urgency behind this because um, countries desperately need access to two doses now uh, to keep immunization programs going to vaccinate those at highest risk. And those initial doses, don't, donations don't need to be huge by any means, uh, um, but they are a start. Now, longer term, I think what we can see is that um, G7 countries, the, uh, the UK, um, you know, Europe as a whole and, and, and the US in particular um, and, and North America have, have excess doses far in excess of the needs that they will have to vaccinate their entire populations. And so um, donating doses both now and in an ongoing fashion through the remainder of this year um, for, for particularly those countries that have secured so many extra doses is something that will make a huge difference to to the developing world, to, to countries in Africa, South Asia, South America, to, to actually kind of catch up and, and, like I say, rebalance those inequities. Does it almost need a bit of courage from Western political leaders that they're in this acute crisis? They're terrified, presumably, of any curveballs and twists in the vaccination rollout. Does it need a bit of courage to say, things are going well, we have these huge stockpiles, we're probably not going to need these doses and trust in the sort of probably side of it and just go ahead and say, this could really help in the very short term. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think you, you put it well, it does require courage, really political courage in a way, because my, you know, I feel for for um, leaders in, in the West and in, in richer countries, of course, not every vaccination campaign across the world, even in rich countries, is going as quickly as as leaders and and populations would like, um, but I will say this: that most countries that have excess doses um, do not need every single one of those doses now. Like as many have moved beyond the highest risk populations, and could take the courage to to do donate small amounts of doses. And we're talking hundreds of thousands or millions of doses in the short term will make a difference. Tens of millions will make an enormous difference to the rest of the world, but it would still be a drop in the ocean of, of many, many G7 countries that have secured hundreds of millions or even billions of doses um, for their populations. In the United States, the, the Biden administration is proposing lifting patent protections for, for these vaccines. So telling drug makers to lift the protections, allow others to manufacture the shots that they have developed originally would that make a difference does that check any of your boxes so i think unicef embraces and welcomes i think all efforts to remove barriers to to expanding production i think we see as i mentioned the kind of shorter term needs will be met by dose sharing and by uh, funding both delivery of doses and i should have said also kind of funding covax to continue buying doses so those are perhaps shorter term measures that will will alleviate some of the problems. Longer term, I think, you know, we welcome um, expanded um, production capacity of, of uh, vaccines. And we think the best way to do that is through voluntary licensing. Um, that is those kinds of manufacturing partnerships that I alluded to earlier. Um, and we, we really have seen a lot to, that gives gives us, I think, um, encouragement here that that more of the same can be done. You know, we've seen the likes of um, Pfizer-BioNTech with with Sanofi looking to expand their production 
similarly with um, with Novavax and Serum Institute of India, um, and and of course Moderna are also with Sanofi. So several several manufacturers have have, have looked at this um, as a w- means of of, uh, of expanding their capacity. I didn't mention Johnson and Johnson and Merck, but but certainly several several companies have done this, and we think more of the same is the way to do that. We don't think that kind of mandatory um, approaches to intellectual property and licensing um, are going to be as as fruitful in part because the license alone won't bring about the vaccines. And manufacturing experts will tell you that that basically it's it's a bit like having um, the ingredients to, to to make something, but but not the the instructions on how to mix those ingredients together and when to put them together and when to put them in the oven. Um, and in that way, there is a sort of certain amount of know-how that's needed. And all of that is critical to end up with a product that is both effective but safe. Are you up against a less than ideal political climate globally at the moment? Because it feels like this is something where you're asking about, I mean, literally about sharing in a lot of cases. And the trend in many countries in recent years has been to perhaps turn more inwards and, and be less inclined to, to share. Yeah, certainly. So I think, you know, one thing is true is that the pandemic came at a time, you know, when when what's needed to resolve the pandemic is is solidarity, is is a sense of globalism, is this understanding that the virus knows no borders. Um, and as a result, um, in order to solve the problem, we need to work together. And as you said, kind of we've gone through several years, I think, of both nationalism and frankly, kind of individualism in many ways that that I think has has been a sort of challenge. Fortunately, in a way that the virus, because it has presented such a monumental challenge and one that I think everyone is now really realizing um, is is a global concern and that what's happening abroad and, and the likes of variants being imported to, to countries makes this a global issue. And I think really is, is giving pause for thought on nationalistic agendas or individual agendas. Um, so I think it is challenging that the, the kind of previous status quo, um, but it requires more of the same. And I think I will say one thing about the um, what we're experiencing with vaccines and vaccine nationalism, as it's often been called, um, which is that we we did see some that this is not just something that's true of vaccines. We saw it wasn't called this, but we saw PPE nationalism, personal protective equipment with countries kind of competing against one another, hoarding what they could early on in the pandemic. Um, governments that were in producing countries kind of putting export controls in place. So all of this happened already with PPE. It's happening again with vaccines. And I think by pointing to these these kind of data points, I think, you know, we're trying to get the world to wake up to the, the point that, that, of course, a nationalistic approach won't solve the problem. If anything, it's going to kind of lengthen the, the, the pandemic. And and exacerbate the problem. And so hopefully people are starting to realize that, sadly, through the likes of tragedies that we're seeing unfold in in places like India. Um, But it could be a turning point, I hope, that that people realize that we can't let that continue. Kian Gandhi, thank you very much for speaking to us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.